Hey, Olivia. Hey, Ashley. Welcome to Drunk of the Book Club. A podcast for lonely drunk bookcasters. So, Olivia, we have an update. <laughs> so, we finally have music for our podcast. Yay. Yay. Courtesy of our good friend, Matt Costa. Friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. But really yeah. this time, really. Like you no, really real, s- real friend of the podcast. We're not lying this time. <laughs> <laughs> he has offered up an unreleased song to be our intro music. And unreleased shit to quote. <laughs> I think it was uh, shiz. Shiz. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Shiz. Yeah, yeah so... <laughs> Um, yeah, so thank you, Matt Costa, thank for letting you. us eat this. Yes. Um, when we become famous, you know. Oh, yeah. You'll get, you'll get some recognition from this. <laughs> this is our recognition um, right now. This is all we can offer. Yeah, this is all we can offer. I think I promised to drink. Oh, that we can do. You can yeah. have some Fireball Smirnoff or Chata coffee. Yeah, all, as much as you want. As much as you want. Thank you for letting us use this. We yeah. appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah. Ooh. I was really afraid I was going to spill on my computer right there. Same. <laughs> I was drinking mugs of hot beverages. Hot alcohol beverages. Yum. It's currently 11.30 in the morning. <laughs> We've already been going for an hour. We have no self control. Who needs it for a drunk podcast? True, true, true. So, we the animals. We read it, the book by we Justin Perez. So, do you want to give us a synopsis? Sure. Um. So it's it's like a short novel. Is it considered a novella? Maybe not. I think it's just no. a short novel. It's a short novel. Um, about three brothers and their, like, family with a mom who I think is, like, chronically depressed and a dad who is, like, abusive and drinks too much. I mean, really positive and <laughs> happy, <laughs> happy stuff. Um, but yeah, it's told from one of the boys' point of view. Um, and it's kind of more about, like, the boys and their connections and... Yeah. I yeah. don't know. Is there more to that? Um, I think it, I mean, just to go off of that, it's about the boys and who they become and who they are, but I think you, they look at it through their parents. Yeah. Sometimes. Like, you look at how their parents have um, affected them. Yeah, and it's sort of told in this interesting voice that it's like, it's almost like separate from the action. Like right. it starts off in the royal we, <laughs> or it starts yeah. off in the what is that? Not first person, not second person. What is it when it's we? Oh, I don't know. Anyways, it starts off with the narrator like talking about the we, which is the three brothers, and so that was really interesting. It's it's almost at some points it's got like a sort of fable-esque quality mm-hmm. um partially because it's like it starts out with a young boy who he can't really explain everything that's happening he's right. kind of like told filterless um through his experience right yeah i don't know what more to say about that. <laughs> no that's great <laughs> cool 
Um, what are your first thoughts? Um, so I don't know. Like, I think I may have read this at the wrong point in my life. Cause like the whole reason that you read or that we read it is because your coworker told you like, this is a great book here. You should read it. Right. Bartender. Your bartender. Okay. <laughs> also, as we discussed in oh, our last right. episode, there's an inscription in mine from an arid Eric. Oh, yeah, we haven't figured it out. I don't, I still don't know what this person's name is. But, um, talking about, like, this, I gave this book, wait, I gave this book to many people this Christmas. It was an animal-themed year. So, this book, like, obviously is meaning a lot to people. And I personally didn't feel it. And I I also have, like, a theory, and it's not, like, my personal theory, because I'm sure I read it from somewhere, of the, like, idea that like books come to you at certain points in your life or like you know you could reread a book that before didn't make sense to you or didn't connect with but then later on in your life it like makes more sense to you or like you can connect with it more so I almost feel like I'm reading at this this at a bad not a bad point but like at a point where it's not connecting with me personally what did you think um I so I read this kind of over a long period of time Mm mm-hmm I would pick it up and read a chapter and then put it down. Um, And I read a lot of other books in between. And I actually had to go back through once I finished reading it and read the beginning again. Mm Because I think I was treating it as little, like, not short stories, but just like little insights into this world. And then I was like, wait, I need to look at this in a cohesive way. Right. Um, Especially once I got to the end. I did like it. And I did... I don't know if I, like, felt something from it, but uh-huh. um, I thought it was an interesting way to look at that dynamic between the parents, but mm-hmm. from this, like, little boy's eyes and look at the way that these children grow up in that um, family. Yeah. I think we've talked about before, like, I, one of the reasons I don't like Steinbeck is because he spends, like, too much time describing dirt and, like, it's <laughs> too descriptive for me. Yeah. And I don't think that it allows me to do any of the imagining on my own mm-hmm. I thought that this was a really good balance of that mm, okay there's a lot of descriptive language in here but in a way that it allowed me to kind of daydream out this world that they were living in right um and it still like laid it out pretty clearly but it let me kind of be in the world as well which yeah I also enjoyed because I felt like that's how a little kid would see things, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, when they're out flying the trash bag kites and stuff like that, like, I could really imagine being there with them. Yeah. I could, like, perfectly imagine what it looked like out there. Totally. Um, so I think in that sense, like, I did really enjoy it, and I felt like I did gain something from this book. Mm-hmm. If anything, it helped me learn that there, like, is a good amount of descriptive language that can be, like, heavy, but still not overbearing, I right. guess give you the room to like envision and imagine too yeah and I I really liked that and um I do like after I finished reading it and I went back and read the beginning again Mm -hmm. this is a book that I would love like on a summer day to like Mm -hmm. go to the lake and just read Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a really great book to read outside interesting okay weird thing to say but well they are animals they are animals and like I just imagine like a warm summer day. Yeah. Out by the lake, like it would be a really great book to read. Yeah. 
I feel like, I don't know, like I was coming at it from, I was reading it as a teacher of students, mm-hmm. of young people who have challenging lives, some of them. And yeah. I was like, my main takeaway was just like, God, this family is so fucked up. And yeah. my main takeaway was like, and I think this is kind of what he ends on, our narrator, and I'm not sure how autobiographical it is, but um, it ended on our narrator kind of saying, like, my brothers couldn't get out, but I did. Yeah. And that was my yeah. role, and that was my responsibility. And yeah. I was kind of reading it as like, holy shit, like, how are these boys going to get out? Like, I don't yeah. know, like, the pain of their situation and their family and their very, very young parents um, having them and not really knowing what to do um, and the abuse, like that was really hard for me to read. And maybe that's where I'm coming at it from like a, maybe this is a wrong, not a wrong, but like a, maybe this is a point for me personally where this isn't resonating to like speak to me in the way that I think maybe it has spoken to other people who have read it because my main takeaway was just like, Oh, it's so hard for some people to get out of those situations. It right. just I felt so hopeless. I felt so like um I just felt like so concerned and upset and like wanting to have hope but being hopeless for those boys. Right. And I see that too. Um I mean, there were parts that were really hard to read, mm-hmm. you know. It was really dark, really mm-hmm. depressing. There was some physical abuse, sexual abuse, mental abuse, verbal abuse happening. Yeah. Um, And just you mentioning, like, how can they get out? There were even a few times where, you know, they had all tried to escape. Yeah. And, you know, the dad tried to escape on his own earlier. The mom tried to leave with the kids. Yeah. And just seeing them both and all of them continuously get pulled back in yeah it's like really depressing and I think actually the end got so dark Mm -hmm. again that I read it really quickly Mm -hmm. I spent enough time on it as I should have because I'm a little bit confused as to how it all ended like the boy is gay right or he thinks he is he is because he has figured it out yeah okay yeah so he's gay the parents are upset about this yes he goes into like um like a psych ward or something. Yeah, they like have him um, institutionalized. I think. Right, and is that where he ends? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what I thought. See, okay, here's the other thought that I had. So you know, you remember this was like before our podcast began, but it was kind of like we were gonna do it for the podcast, but then we n- didn't get started in time when we read um, Harper Lee's Go. Oh. Was it Go Tell a Watchman? Go Set a Watchman. For some reason, that title always confuses the shit out of me. (laughs) Go Set a Watchman. And I remember when we were talking about it, well, first when I was reading, but then when we were talking about it, I was saying, like, I totally get why her agent, editor, publisher, whatever, whoever makes those decisions, I don't know, the literary world, Mm -hmm. took that manuscript and then said, okay, take this, like, little part of the childhood and go back and write the real story. Like, I remember reading Ghost at a Watchman and being like, this is really interesting historically, like, in the context of the story, in the context of Harper Lee as a writer, in the context of this time period. Mm -hmm. But I totally, like, understood why the response was narrow in on that tiny little place that was the childhood 
and go expand that story because I also felt the same way in reading that story I was like the part where I'm most engaged where I feel like the writing um, really moves it really flows and I feel like the voice really comes out in that book was Mm -hmm. when she had that flashback to childhood right for me I kind of felt in reading this that that very end where he's a teenager yeah I felt like that's where I was most drawn in that's where I felt the story like if I was this guy's editor or yeah. publisher or agent or whatever, I would yeah. have been the asshole who's like, hey, this is a really good first draft, but where I'm feeling the best voice, where I'm feeling the like most flowing narration, where I'm feeling the like really um, sort of engaging story is in that last section with the teenage adolescence of yeah. this narrator. So, I don't know. That was, like, my big takeaway was, like, I wanted more of that story. Not that I didn't enjoy the childhood. Not that, well, yeah. enjoy is the wrong word. But not that I wasn't engaged. Yeah. But it's almost like I felt like all of that writing was a process to get to the real meat. And I felt like the real meat was the teenage story. Right. I I agree in that I think that that was too short. Mm-hmm. That part was way too short. Um, because, I mean, yeah... I read that last part really quickly compared to, like, how I was reading everything else. Right. Um, and maybe that's part of why I was a little bit, like, confused trying to figure out what was happening there. Right. Also, I think that if there was, if it was longer, you would have really been able to dive into who this, who this kid is and who he becomes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that that was, you know, despite the um, really, really terrible world that those kids have to grow up in Mm -hmm. their parents did love them Mm -hmm. and did try to support them yeah um and so to see that part where he is coming out and they read his diary Mm -hmm. and that support is just gone yeah I thought that that was a really interesting switch that I would have liked to see more of yeah and how that affects the family as well well and like coming back to how it feels like a big switch there it feels like we're changing gears. It's like, it feels like we're on one track and then we're like, I had a dream about trains last night. So maybe that's where my brain is. But like, you know, like you, you switch tracks and you're on a different yeah. track. And I felt like that was a big, that happened there. That was a big thing. Um, mm-hmm. I felt like the, the main bulk of this was almost, like I said, like a fable or sort of magical in that the kids were sort of, because their understanding of the situation was kind of like kid logic. And they couldn't necessarily fully understand, or at least our narrator, couldn't necessarily fully understand the why behind everything. There was sort of like a magical quality to it. And um, I felt like that was really interesting. But like when we got to the point where the train track switched and we ended up kind of like you said, where a big change happens, they read his his journals and they find out he's gay and they like actually enter his inner world that's when I feel like the narrator actually becomes a character with like an inner dialogue and with like I mean obviously there's inner dialogue earlier but it's like I felt I felt closer to the narrator there I felt like the narrator was more real at that point for me I totally agree actually with you saying that right around that time I went back and I was like wait do I even know this kid's name like who is this person? Because I agree, like, he's not, he doesn't seem like a real character until that point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I had to go back through and I was like, wait, okay, this is a real person we're talking about. Yeah. 
Um, he's not just like this little baby running through telling the story of his brothers and parents. Like, yeah. I don't know. I felt like I needed to kind of backtrack and figure out who he was again. Yeah. Because, yeah, you're totally right. But I also felt like there were some moments earlier that I felt were really important. Like, the dad, when he was talking about them being mutts, he was like, you're not white, and you're not Puerto Rican, you're mutts. And, like, yeah. the whole dancing scene. Yeah. And he's, like, showing them how to dance, and they they can't quite get it. And it's like, there's there's this, like, scary sort of balance between, like, the dad, they're not really sure if he's, like, fully sober or sober enough not to hurt them. But at yeah. the same time, it's fun and goofy. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of what's happening throughout a lot of it. And I felt like there was also another, uh, when they were, like, playing in the kitchen mm-hmm. with the food, and the mom comes out, and she doesn't know what time or day it is. Yeah. And they're, like... And she's, she wants to be, like, covered in ketchup, too. And, again, it was almost like, it was, like, they're they're trying to, as kids, figure out, they're trying to diagnose whether this is, like, a dangerous situation or a fun situation. You know, like... Yeah, I was really confused. So I wasn't confused in that in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But when I went back and read it after, like, reading the rest of the book... yeah. That never happens again. Mm-hmm. I'm so, con- like, like I said, I probably just need to read this whole thing again because I read it over, like, two months, I think. Right. Um, but, so the dad wasn't there during that time, right? He, he had left the family. I believe so, yes. And she was alone taking care of the kids and working that night job. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something about that that's so confusing to me because... It never is mentioned again. And maybe that is part of it being told through a child's eyes. Like, yeah. maybe they don't see those things. Or maybe, you know, it was really dramatic to them in that moment and less dramatic later. Right. But I was like, this seems like a really intense sort of mental breakdown that she's having. Mm-hmm. That just never comes yeah. up again. Well, okay. Here I'm going to be an asshole and I'm going to tell you how, like, I would rewrite this book. <laughs> Which is shitty. I know it's shitty. But you know what? I'm drinking Fireball and Smirnoff and Orchata, so I'm allowed to. So that you are. I feel like I would say, hey, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm his editor or publisher or whatever. I'm the person who makes these decisions. I'm like, okay, love the part where you are or where your narrator is a teenager. I think that's the meat of the story. I think you need to go beyond that. I think the story needs to be the teenager working through these feelings with flashbacks. I feel like it needs to start with the teenager and that scene, which is so important, where he comes home after, like, having sex with a bus driver and after kind of breaking free from his brothers, too. That's important. Yeah. Um comes home to the parents and the family just like holy shit we read your diary we know what's going on this is not okay where you were kind of saying like you didn't feel that love you felt like well i mean they they wash him which that's like so catholic but um you know like it's 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 disordered in some capacity you know i feel like that would be like a dynamic beginning Right? right? And then right. you have flashbacks of these moments of, like, we're dancing with the dad, but we don't know if we're going to get beat. Or, you know, mom's having a breakdown, but it's fun because we're kids. But, like, right. also have him working through that in the present day because I feel like that narrative voice of the teenager is much more present, you know? Right. 
I don't know. But I also think it's a really interesting choice to have the narrator of the child who can't necessarily, like, um, like I said, the the filter is different than had it been an adult. But I just, I don't know. I just felt like it was unfinished. Yeah, I can see that. Okay, so that's two things about that ending again. I forgot about the washing scene because that last section was so choppy. Mm -hmm. Like, they find his diary or his journal. They've read it. They know what's happening. He walks in. First of all, what a coincidence that he finally has sex with someone and then he just happens to walk in and they've read his diary, like, in the same hour. Like, that's a little crazy. Sure, yeah. Sorry, that's a little unbelievable. Um, (laughs) Like, I was like, okay, what a coincidence. And then... (laughs) Not buying it. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, okay. Um, So they, you know, they're so upset. Then he mentions being admitted somewhere. Then they talk about the washing him. Mm -hmm. So I was confused about that because I was like, wait, is he like an old man now? Is he like sick? Did he like get AIDS? What's happening here? Like, why is the family all of a sudden like bathing him and act like it seemed like he was dying or something? Oh, you know why? I'm just looking back. The section titled Dawn, where the father, like, washes him, that's told in third person. It says, look, a father gently lowers his son fully clothed into a tub. So that's, like, third person. And then it comes back at the very end with zookeeping. And he says, these days I sleep with peacocks, lions on a bed of leaves. I've lost my pack, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, okay. And then upright, upright, I say, I slur, I vow. So that seems like it's being told from the point of view of the narrator being, like, hospitalized or institutionalized. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. And, and missing the family, the wildness, the animalness of the pack. Right. But, yeah, that section where he's being washed is all, is it all? Yeah, it's all told in third person. So he refers to himself as the boy. Yeah, okay. And the family all washes him, and then they take him into the car, or they take him towards the car. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. But it's weird. I was just like, wait, I'm so confused. I felt like it was unfinished. Yeah. I don't know. I think you're right. I I don't know if I had realized that that's how I was feeling Mm -hmm. after I finished it, but... Mm -hmm through this conversation, I think you're totally right. I'm glad I have convinced you. Yeah. You won me over. But, I mean, I don't know. Like, I also really... Okay, so I'm not going to say that I enjoyed the process of reading it. And I don't mean that in an offensive way, but I mean, like, sort of like you. I sort of... I started taking notes until maybe, like, a third of the way through. And then I sped through the rest, kind of because it was so painful that yeah. I wanted to hurry up. Like, I don't know. Yeah. But I'm not saying that, like, you shouldn't read it. But again, I'm also coming back to the idea that, like, I don't know that this was, like, the right time in my life to, like, feel a real connection with the story. Right. I and I know. think it should also come with, uh, like, dear listeners, if you're going to read this book, it gets really intense at some point. So mm-hmm. be prepared for that. Yeah. Like, I don't know. There was a few moments where I was like, oh, I did not realize this was the kind of book I was about to start reading. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was... Just look at the cover. It looks carefree. Right, right. Hmm. And I was like, okay, maybe 
Also, maybe if I had gone in with that knowledge, I would have read it a little bit differently. Yeah. Oh, also, okay, so our next book is Mindy Kaling's book. Um, yeah. Is Everyone Hanging Out Without Me? And I was reading, like, the comments. You know, like, they have, like, critic comments on the back, like, quotes. Mm-hmm. And they also have them on this. So I've been reading those. Usually I ignore them, but I've been reading them to ask myself, like, do I agree with these comments? Um, Dark Jewel of a book, definitely agree, right? Def- it resembles no other book I've read. Don't agree with that. Um, the one on in the front that says, it's a gorgeous howling coming-of-age novel. I don't think we're at the point where they're coming of age. I don't agree with that. I don't agree either. I don't think he's coming of age. I think that, like, the end gives a hint of him coming of age, but I feel like the whole bulk of the book is a child that's trying to wrestle with understanding, like, why everything is so fucked up. Right, right. A fiery ode to boyhood. Also, I'm not a boy. Like, maybe this book isn't written for me. Like, maybe I can't relate to the experience of having brothers and being, like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. The communal howl of three young brothers sustains the sprint of a novel. I would describe it as a communal howl. I like that. Also, it's, it is a sprint of a novel because it moves yeah. really quickly. And also, I felt the need to move through it really quickly. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, some of these are accurate. I don't know why I'm obsessed with, like, the comments, the, like, critic comments on the backs of but after for some reason I read Mindy Kaling's and I was like I don't agree with these (laughs) and then now I'm like I need to read what this shit actually says no that's interesting I never read these I don't either like I don't read them to figure out what the book is about because they never say anything like there's never like an actual comment like this book is about this it's more like a communal howl (laughs) a sprint of a novel (laughs) no offense the New Yorker <laughs> oh, so Oprah Magazine. Hmm. Oh. Weekend Edition, Esquire, Michael Cunningham, Dorothy Allison, and the New York Times, and Vanity Fair. Wow. For a time, excuse me, I um, subscribed to Vanity Fair because I was like, this is back at the beginning of college when I still wanted to be a journalist. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Vanity Fair is really interesting journalism. And I don't know where I got that in my mind. I was like, they do really, really interesting and important pieces on whatever. Yeah. And then I, like, subscribe to Vanity Fair, and, like, a whole 75% of the magazine is ads. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a really fucking thick magazine, and it's all yeah. ads. And I was like, well, fuck this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Unsubscribe. Mm-hmm. Like, why did I pay many- money for this? Right. That's funny. Now the only magazines I get are Bon Appetit and Bitch. Nice. Which I feel like explains my soul. <laughs> That's fitting. <laughs> for you. I think so. I don't subscribe to any magazines. You should get Bitch. It's a great magazine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got it. I should do that. I like Bon Appetit, but I never can catch up on it. Yeah. Like, I can never read all of them. I also get it, like, automatically sent to my Kindle, but, like, there's no way I'm reading a magazine on my Kindle. Oh, yeah. I don't know why, but that just feels so wrong to me. Magazines are fun to, like, sit down with and flip through. Right, and to see the pictures up close and big, like, you can just yeah. smush your face against them. Yep. I don't know. Agreed. I'm thinking uh, about, sorry, but I'm thinking about how much alcohol I've consumed, and it's, like, probably too much. <laughs> too much for 11.56 in the morning. <laughs> well, it's New Year's Eve. It's fine. True. Yep. It doesn't feel like it. I know. I literally, 
was it yesterday or I forget mm-hmm. a few days ago I was like wait the holidays already happened I know it's sad I don't remember a holiday season well you were pretty busy yeah okay what are we reading next time, Olivia? Uh, wait, hold on. I forgot, I forgot the title. <laughs> we are reading Mindy Kaling's book, Is Everyone Hanging Out With Me and Other Concerns. Wait, hanging out without me, right? <laughs> <laughs> that would be like a great book. It'd be like an introvert's book. Like, is everybody hanging out with me? Like, go away. <laughs> I think this is the second one that I've messed up. I like it. I like it. What else did I mess up? I don't remember. <laughs> what book were we reading? Oh, the couple next door. And I was like, and everything ended happily ever after. <laughs> yeah, you were like. Murder her neighbor. <laughs> I can't believe it ended so happily. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that was really hilarious. I love that. <laughs> That's why it's dangerous to drink during these things. Well, that is the whole premise. <laughs> the whole point, I know. It's is everyone hanging out without me? True. And other concerns by yes. Mindy Kaling. And the Mindy Project just followed us on Twitter. Just followed us. So excited. She probably caught wind that we were reading this book. I know that Mindy herself is in charge of that Twitter account. I, I know that she is. I know that she watches us. <laughs> probably heard me last night looking at Hulu and saying, there's not a new episode. Oh. Like, you know what? I'm just going to give them a follow, make yep. them feel better. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Happened. I know that's what happened. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> like, pretty certain. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, other okay. famous people and or shows, please follow. Please follow. It makes our day. We're on Twitter, Instagram, iTunes, Stitcher, and a website, and Gmail. And an email. Yep, we got it all. And it's all the same handle, Drunk of the Book, because we were smart, and we got the same handle at the same places. Yep. We didn't have to do anything, like, janky, like, Drunk Book Club on one, and, like, Drunk of the Book on another, (laughs) or, like, Book Club Drunkers on another. Because we planned it all a year before we even started. True story. That's the real mark of a success. Yep. We are planners. <laughs> we are planners. <laughs> uh, clearly, we've had two drinks during this episode. And I don't even know how much alcohol was in my drinks. Same. Mark of a truly successful New Year's Eve. <laughs> <laughs> we know how to party. That's True. fine. True. As we're alone in our homes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Well, my dog is here. <laughs> oh, as I'm alone in my home. Not for long. You have four people coming over. That's true. Yay. <laughs> I have so many friends. <laughs> I'm oh, there in spirit. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Happy New Year. See you in 2017, drunkers. See you in 2017. Woo! Have a good New Year's Eve, all you drinking people out there. All you reading people, too. All you readers. <laughs> oh. Hope you're good. curled up with a book. Looking at 11.50, being like, okay, I finally can go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) The best way to bring in a new year. So true. Let's get reading. (laughs) Let's get drinking, too. Yeah.